John the Viking Mauser, the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today, my guest is Kenneth Bigby. How are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous, man. How about you? Oh, always good. <clears throat> um, so, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, a lot of my, my listeners may not be uh, familiar with you, and that's a shame, but they, they need to get to know you. So, tell us uh, just a little bit about your background. <clears throat> um, uh, I'm a lifetime martial artist. I love martial arts. Uh, I also was in the military. I didn't used to talk about it, but I was a former Navy SEAL. And if I could really tell you about myself in a nutshell, I like to inspire people to defy the odds and be elite, which is to become their best selves. That's how I describe myself in a nutshell. Cool. Very cool. So, um, lifetime martial artist, when did you, when did you start that? Um, that wasn't an option that was given to me. My dad was a martial artist. <laughs> okay. He was in something that was called the, the Guardian Angels. And they originally from New York. There was an old TV show called Cops. And you'd see guys running around with red berets. And they do like citizen's arrests. If somebody like took a woman's purse, they would run them down and use martial arts to uh, control them. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, some, sometimes a little bit excessively. <laughs> and uh, so there was a guy that, that came to uh, Indiana from New York. And he brought uh, the Guardian Angels here. My okay. dad was a... So they would be like a Taekwondo guy and a Kung Fu guy, you know, all these different martial arts, and they would just train together. They would cross-train it. Effectively, they were doing MMA, um, which is the original martial art on the battlefield is what it was originally anyway. Right. And then they would go out on the street, and stuff would get real, and they'd be like, dude, that, that thing you were doing, that doesn't work. Throw that out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so okay, cool. pretty much since I was born, my dad... Uh, I, I grew up watching that since the age of three and four. I can remember doing martial arts. Very cool. Thanks to my dad. <clears throat> yeah. Did you, um, from there, did you get into anything um, like with schools or did you go to any kind of thing like that or do competitions or anything? I did. Um, at 14, my mom put me in an official school. My dad and I trained. Um, I did some training. When I was younger, around eight. At fourteen, I really started getting more serious, mm -hmm. and I competed. And I did taekwondo, hapkido. I did weaponry like the sword and the staff. Cool. I started around fourteen, and I competed quite a bit then. So, very cool. <clears throat> um, and then, uh, what point did you go into the military? Like right out of school, or? That's a great question. I went into the military. Um, that was around nineteen ninety nine. Um, so I was looking for things to do. I wanted to challenge myself. Ever since I was a young kid, I always wanted to be a ninja. So I, uh, I kind of did some research. I was like, well, what's the modern-day ninja? And uh, I discovered that, and I went for it. So Cool. <laughs> Very cool, yeah, ninjas. No doubt. <laughs> um, so now my friends can literally be like, what's up, my ninja, when I'm black, like, for real. <laughs> there you go <laughs> alright well I, I'm proud to say that I know a ninja so this is good <laughs> oh for sure you can be like what's up my ninja <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, you do some weight training um, when did all that start uh, did that start before during or after all this or well, actually that's pretty recent man um, actually I'll tell you something um, that's unique uh, maybe you saw David Goggins. He uh, is a pretty popular Navy SEAL. He does like ultra marathons. He's the only man to do uh, Navy SEAL training, mm -hmm. Ranger training, and uh, tactical control, which is the Air Force Special Forces. Yeah. Um, and actually, there's a funny story preceding that. I got to give you that. I, when I was in the military, they were like, man, that guy's kind of small. We need to get him on the weight gain program. That's what they would say. Uh, to to him uh, or to you? To to me. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so to prove them wrong, I because uh, you know in the SEAL teams that's more like uh, a triathlete. Yeah. So you're doing a lot of running. You do what's called run, swim, runs, things like that. You might run four miles, 
swim two miles and then run four miles again. You do like a lot of triathlete type experiences. They do really well. So when you actually get to the SEAL team, uh, they 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 want a, a complete warrior. They want a little bit more of a muscle mass. It's not. It's it's something that's just uh, known. It's not a written rule. Right. But they they want you to be strong. You know. Um. So they were like, we need to get him on the weight gain program. Well, I decided to prove him wrong, and I just went in the gym and I started lifting just to get the guys off my back like I got this yeah. and I was able to maintain my endurance I could still do a lot of push-ups a lot of sit-ups I could still run uh, five minute miles if necessary so I was able to keep that hybrid of endurance and strength training that was really my first experience with weights yeah um, my, my first time deadlifting um, and in a short time period I was able to get up to a pretty decent squat and keep that endurance up. Okay. And they were like, okay, we'll quit bothering them about the weight gain program at that point. So uh, <laughs> that was, that was, it was a peer pressure experience. And I was like, uh, I'll prove these guys wrong, which is pretty typical of SEALs. And that was my first experience. So <clears throat> cool. So, um, and what kind of, I guess, uh, structure were you using? Were you just kind of lifting weights on your own or did, did you do research? Did you have a trainer? Well, you, you know, that's a great question because actually my mother, my father, like, lifted weights. Remember those old sand weights that used to leak? They'd always end up cracking and leaking the little plastic sand. Yeah, I, I know, I know the ones, yeah. I, for sure I know you would, bro. So you're, like, lifting and one breaks and the bar falls over because all the weight came off one side, you know. Or they get stuck on your neck because you're by yourself in the basement. Yeah, you know. Uh, but anyway, I, I would see my dad do that and – uh I had done more bodyweight exercises preparing for the, the team's pull-ups, push-ups, and things like that. But my mother was a fitness fanatic. So I, I knew proper form. Mm -hmm. um, she would make us work out in the summers. Every summer we had to read a book and then, like, lift weights, like basic curls. It was, uh, I think, what they call now beats body. But yeah. back then it was something else on TV, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's more like, what do you say? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. They transformed it to Beachbody. She would force me and my friends. My friends would come over, and uh, we all had to do those workouts. My mom was really into fitness and nutrition. Man, we were doing a lot of stuff they're doing today. We were doing it back then. I was making a funny joke about eating these oatmeal. Somebody asked if I like oatmeal cookies, and I'm like, actually, I'm quite horrified by them because my mom would give me oatmeal cookies. My dad was diabetic, um, so we didn't eat a lot of sugar. And we had authentic oatmeal cookies, like uh, like the Amish people would make or something like that, dude. And, <laughs> bro, after a few years of those, man, it was basically a brick in a package, um, bland oatmeal. So we would eat and work out, and she would force all my friends, not force, we, we had to do it. Um, so we were fit, and that was kind of how I was raised. So I knew proper form mm -hmm. and things like that. Um I kind of grew up in that environment. So the basic structure to get back to your question and keep it short and concise, uh, when they did that to me in the teams, I just hit the, the basics. I just did bench and then squat, and then I'd always go ham on calves because I was a thin guy because I had read one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's book. He's like, you got his weakness was calves. Yeah. And he was like, you got to go ham on those damn things. <laughs> so, like, I'd be over there. Here's a funny story. Somebody came in the gym, and we're at the, the SEAL teams, bro, right? So – a bunch of alpha males, right? And I had like 745s. I was on like the sled machine. I had 745s on each side and I'm pushing it up and this guy comes in there and he was an expressive extrovert. He comes in he's like, where's all the damn 45s? Where's the 45s? And he looks over and I'm over there like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hey, Hercules, you know, I'm a new guy, dude. You don't take all the 45s. Yeah. I didn't know the gym rules, bro. I've never been in the gym. He's like, hey, Hercules, give me the damn 45s. So, uh, I basically would just do bench, squat, and then uh, and then calves, man. Other than that, I would do bodyweight exercises. That's what I was doing to begin, just to just to let them know that I, I had it in me and I could do it. Yeah, that's cool. What did what did you weigh about that time? Like your body? Man, weight? I was about one seventy five um, at that time. I probably just on my own training within a matter of about a month. I was doing about uh, two fifty and a four hundred squat. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's with, you were doing a lot of the running and stuff during that period of time, too. 
Um, none of that changed. I maintained all that. You yeah. know, and the, the basic seal PTs like you got to do hundreds of push-ups, sit-ups, you know, five-minute miles, stuff like that. That's pretty standard. I was able to maintain that and then still um, get reasonable strength at that time. So, do you think um, you said you maintained it? Do you think that it actually helped it at all? Do you think it helped your endurance or your speed or anything? I think um, it's. For some people, I, I guess if you cross-train it, um, I, I have noticed that more as of recent, like with, with my martial arts. Um, for instance, when I, in Muay Thai, when I explode to do a kick, it's more effortless mm-hmm. because of the deadlifts and the squats. I can make that initial explosion, um, and that initial explosion carries the kick all the way through. It's, it's pretty much more about the initial explosion. and mm-hmm. and. I can feel that I do that with less effort because I'm used to moving more weight. So I do feel it um, in those activities. Um, and I do I do want to – I'll give you another story a little bit later about weight training because I know that you're huge into that, um, something unusual that I would do. Um, but, yeah, I do feel that it, it helped me. I think that kind of your, your makeup a little bit allows you to do both endurance and weights, but I think you can cross-train and make that happen pretty effectively. Yeah, and, and um, to, to brag on you a little bit, just from what I've seen, um, we're not talking about your average person's kicks here. I've, I've seen um, a video of you in uh, Thailand. Oh, um, I think it was maybe at that at, uh, Tiger Muay Thai or something in Thailand. And, um, oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. And you, you're, you kick a guy. Well, he, he's got, you know, he's holding mitts for you, and you kick the mitts, and, and the guy falls back into the wall so i mean these are some pretty serious kicks if you're noticing a uh, an increase in that i think it's that's fairly significant you know yeah and i had actually got injured i was going over there to help my teacher teach in thailand and i had injured my shoulder preparing not doing weights i was actually doing the martial arts um so i was actually a little bit heavy at that time but the residual effects from lifting weights probably carried me through and one of the guys, it was another guy. I remember the video you're talking about. He, that was funny. He, he was a smaller guy. I kicked him. He kind of fell over. That was yeah. funny. I forgot about that. He brought that up. The <laughs> other guy was uh, his name is Lom, and that's the guy that that GSP would fly in to train him for his championship bouts. Mm-hmm. There's a video that and I'm kicking him, and he's like, he was just trying to wear me out. So he was like, uh, thirty kicks each side. And I'm like, okay. So I did like thirty of them, and they drove him across the ring. And then he goes, uh, funny, it's a funny story. He looked at me, he goes, okay, next time, 50 kick this side, 50 kick the next side. <laughs> like, that didn't wear you out enough, dude. Those kicks are too hard. You should have been tired. <laughs> He's like, okay, 50 kick, 50 kick right side, 50 kick left side. I was like, okay, I get it, bro. But uh, I think that was from from the mixture of the weight training along with the uh, the, the good technique of Muay Thai. So I, I think there's benefits there, which you which you preach. So how did you um, how did you get hooked up with with uh, Thai fighting and the Thai instructors over there? Um, man, that's actually a pretty crazy story, man. <laughs> um, I've flown with my teacher around the world. So my teacher's teacher was Delahiva, and he was one of the the original guys that trained with the Gracies. If mm-hmm. you know jujitsu, you know the name Delahiva. Yeah. Um. And my teacher used to fly around the world teaching jujitsu with Delahiva. Okay. But then later, he was flying around the world spreading his association, and I flew around the world fighting, proving the jujitsu like it's it's legit. Like hit the mat with five guys and you tap them all out. So I would fly with him and prove it. So he was like, "Hey, bro, we had gone to different countries. He's like, hey, come to Thailand with me because you can train Muay Thai." And also, I need your, your your assistance with me to go teach in Thailand. And I was like, cool. And I watched Tiger Muay Thai tryouts, and it was this real mean dude that was, like, kicking people and splitting them open and all kind of crazy stuff. And I was like, I'm going to meet that dude. I got to be ready for that dude, right? So I uh, that's how I hurt myself. I had, like, overtrained a little bit for that one. And I ended up hurting my shoulder. Um so I went there, and we were teaching a jiu-jitsu seminar, and this guy was like, I was like, hey, do you know anything about Tiger Muay Thai? And he's like, yeah, ask for this guy. And it was uh, the guy that I was looking for. So when we went down there, I went down there to train with him, and we, 
we took an hour drive in a tuk-tuk, which is a taxi, and we drove out there, and I got to him, and I said, hey, man, can I train with you? And he's like, oh, you can train with that guy. He good, too. I said, uh, sir, I drove an hour to train with you. He goes, yes, but that guy lived in champ. He's like the best of the best. I said, no disrespect. I came to train with you. This guy referred me. So long story short, he said, okay, you come back tomorrow. So we got back in a tuk-tuk. I looked at the schedule, and I'm like, I looked at my teacher, and I'm like, dude, they're not even open tomorrow. What the hell is this guy talking about? So we drove an hour back, got up the next day, drove. I didn't think he'd be there. There was nobody there. There was like five people there. This thing is huge. And uh, he ended up training me. And uh, even though I was injured and I was a little bit out of shape, um, he ended up respecting my, my drive. And he told me to come back for more and more. So that's how that story happened. And I ended up flying him to the U.S. Um, well, he, he came to the U.S. We helped him get his visa. And he came to my academy um, two times on two occasions because we became such good friends and respected each other. Cool. So uh, what's your, your instructor's name? You said the guy that you were flying around with originally. Marcelo C. Montero, and his his association is BJJ Coach. Okay, very cool. Um, so tell me about uh, jiu-jitsu. So you've been doing that a lot longer than, than I had thought you were. I thought that was a new development, but you've been doing that for a while. I have. It's been over a decade, man. Um, yeah, I, I basically, uh, I was doing Muay Thai, and I was uh, doing Muay Thai competitions, and then everybody was suggesting, like, dude, you'd be good at MMA. So I was like, well, I guess I better learn this grappling stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and actually, the, the first time that I got exposed to it, I was in the SEAL teams, and I came home on leave, and I met a really good friend of mine, and we met because I was like, dude, I... I had read a book about Ken Shamrock back in the old UFC, right? And uh, I went to one class, and they showed me this ankle lock. And I'm like, dude, this stuff is awesome. I found his school in San Diego, because that's where I was at. So while I was on leave, I was like, have you guys seen this BJJ stuff? Like, literally, I was at a platoon party one time, and we're like, they're drinking booze and stuff. And I was literally over there reading a Ken Shamrock book, like the most dangerous man in the world. They're like, dude, you don't read books in social events. I'm like, dude, have you heard of this guy? I was just like, wigged out, bro. And uh, so when I came home, I was like, have you seen this jujitsu stuff? I gotta learn this stuff. And my friend was like, dude, I do jujitsu. So he took me up to Carmel, um, and I did my first jujitsu class. And this guy put me in this choke, man. And I was pretty hard headed, uh, but he put me in this choke, and it was like the Looney Tunes circle cartoon that goes yeah, da, 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 and it was like narrowing in on me i'm like damn i'm i'm black and i was pretty euphoric uh and the next day i came in and this purple belt was schooling me and he put me in this thing i didn't know what it was at the time so i was like i'm in the i'm in the silk too i didn't have a lot of quit in me so i was like i'm getting a way out of this so i just picked him up and slammed him down like three times and i he stormed out of the the room and I looked at the teacher like, what's this problem? You know, yeah. you know, white belts, they, they don't know what they're doing. I didn't either. Yeah. So he goes, ah, man, he has some fractured ribs. And <laughs> you refractured them, bro. <laughs> and this is a true story, dude. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, I felt bad. But my first experience was like, dude, I got out the move. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that was my literally my first experiences in jujitsu. And then I, I was training with Chris Lights Out Lytle. I would train a lot with him um, when he would prepare for MMA fights. Okay. And uh, Lido's a, a natural phenom on the ground pretty much. And uh, I was like, I got to really learn this jiu-jitsu stuff. So I did some research. Who would be the best in town. I found Marcelo C. Montero, whose background ties to some of the greats. And then I started that journey. <clears throat> That's cool. So have you done, um, did you do competitions, jiu-jitsu competitions? Yeah, I've done a few, man. Um, and they're pretty... They were, yeah, they were pretty wild. My my teacher asked me to compete, and I competed against uh, uh, in the brown belt division, and I competed against a, a brown belt who later went to Pan Ams and only lo lost by an advantage. Um, and I ended up winning that out and didn't have any points scored on me. I got fortunate in that one. The second guy, I had trained uh, throws. I had trained a throw, one throw. I didn't know <laughs> any other. I trained one throw, and me and this guy tied up. And uh, he locked up with me, and the way he moved, I was like, this dude knows something. So I did the throw and threw him, 
And there were literally no other points scored in the match. It was a tough match. Um, when you get to the brown belt level, they fight for passing guard like they do for submissions. They will not even barely let you pass. It's super tough. Um, those are literally the only points scored. Come to find out, he was a judo black belt, man. I got lucky on that one, too. Oh, wow. So He's like, dude, you threw me on my judo black belt. I looked at his ears, and I was like, how in the hell can you hear any? Do you do sign language? You know, <laughs> yeah, the cauliflower ear. It's like, yeah, he's, been, he's done some mat time, so. Yeah, I've competed um, a few times. I, I'm pretty much a, a student of the game. I I really just love martial arts. So I'm more of a student of the game. But, yeah, I have definitely got out there and competed in all the martial arts I've done. And uh, you competed in um, Muay Thai as well, right? I did. I did do that. Um, when I say I'm a student of the game, I mean legit application. So, um, for me, uh, it's not... Some people are naturally competitive. I I just, I'm fascinated by the science of it. That's what mm-hmm. I mean. I'm more of a student of the game. That's what fascinates me. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the, the way it brings out the best in you. So uh, the only way you can really test that is through true trial and error. So, yeah, I, I did Muay Thai too. Um, and that was a that was a hell of an experience. They, they have a saying in Muay Thai, whether you win or lose, it hurts in Muay Thai. So. That's just how that goes. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's tie it back in. So, uh, how important do you think um, strength training has been in in all those all the martial arts and and your military experience? Um, as far as you know, the practical application goes, like when you were out there, either in a competition or out in the field or whatever. So. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you a funny story, um, which I had actually forgotten about. Um, but when I was in the teams, we were doing some training in the desert, and we didn't go back to a, like a civilized area. We were locked away. And every day after our training, um, we would we would get done about twelve midnight. And every day, um, I would go in and I would do legs literally every day so my nickname on that base would be called legs i just got like fanatical about it and i would just go in and i would just do squats every night dude no no stuff bro and then i go to sleep then i would call home and then i would go to sleep and that would be like like two or three o'clock and then i wake up at five and i would do that every day so my nickname out there was uh legs that's a pretty crazy story uh i think you did like squats like for an extended period of time or something like that? Did you do something like that? Or training every day or something like that? Yeah, when uh, I tore my bicep a couple years ago, and um, I may have went to one of your classes at that point with, with my arm still casted up or something. But that's all I could really do was squats. So I did a squat every day program, yeah. Dude, so you know about that. Yeah, I, yeah. I can totally relate, man. Because I remember seeing that in your feed, and I was like, no doubt, man. That's a brother from another mother right there. I can relate to that, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, so th- so you, you thought it applied pretty well while you were out um, doing doing what you were doing. <clears throat> yeah, man. Uh, the the me lifting consistently. Um, I did that, and then I stopped for a while because for stand up martial arts like uh, Muay Thai, you 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 need a little bit more strength. Jiu Jitsu can use more strength. Uh, but some of them you want to be more lean like boxing they prefer to be more lean in general um so i didn't lift i was more of a lean build like you see more like a thai guy yeah um so i really i got back involved into it and uh, i actually went more on the powerlifting side um and the reason why i wanted to do that was because my teacher literally man um I was the smallest guy, and the guys were like 250 and up that I was always fighting. And I was about 160 at the time because I was lean doing Muay Thai. So I had a very lean build. And then at that point, I said, man, um, uh, I want to be able to handle a bigger, stronger opponent and also have the skill and the endurance. So that's really when I made that paradigm shift, and I started doing powerlifting. And... um, I do think that it's helped, like, with the the explosiveness. I definitely feel that. And um, also, 
when you do a power lift, you have to sustain that lift when you're rising. You do like a deep squat. So being able to sustain a, a, a powerful position, for instance, for a, for a choke or something like that on top of the technique, it has helped me to be able to sustain that and help me with bigger, stronger opponents. Um, and I did that because of the, not so much the sport, but more of the self-defense aspect, thinking, what if I have to protect myself on the street? This dude might be a powerlifter like you, a Viking, man. Like, what am I going to do, bro, if I'm 165 pounds and I don't have strength? Um, I think that's pretty unrealistic. So that did better help facilitate me to fight um, bigger, stronger opponents and to maintain um, stronger positions um, and hold them throughout. Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, now you've also done some training with um, Progressive Fighting Systems and uh, Paul Vunak, is that right? No doubt, for sure. Yeah. How did you uh, How did you come across that? I know a lot of um, uh, Navy SEALs kind of kind of gravitate towards him just because of his his past or whatever. How did you even come across him? That's interesting, man. I had a friend. I was working on a, a security job that checked out like they. They guarded the federal facilities um, for Department of Homeland Security. And the trainer there did Vunak stuff. And typically, a lot of times, martial artists can have a closed mind. Uh, they're just focused on their discipline. And we became good friends because when he was training the class, actually, all the other guys, when he was showing this stuff, they're like, oh, that's bull crap, that's bull crap. And, uh, and I was like, dude, actually, I'm curious to learn that. So I was real open to it. Being a student of the game, I was like, okay, I'm curious to see that perspective. And uh, then they uh, ended flying me out to Vunak. And actually, that's uh, when he did some filming and my shoulder was still injured. And I was wearing a brace. And uh, they flew me out there. And I, there was one of his better guys. That's his main dude that flies around the world. And I was like, hey, boo. He was making the guy spar. And I said, hey, boo, uh. Can, can I go ahead and, uh, can I spar? And he's like, dude, you're hurt. And I was like, I'm good. And Vunak, you know, he's pretty crazy. He's like, you're that guy, like, you're hurt. No, put me in, coach, put me in. So he put me in, and I, I fought with the injured shoulder. And uh, we did pretty decent, so me and Vu uh, became good friends after that. Cool. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I find that um, a, a lot of martial artists are pretty closed-minded and won't, um, won't explore other options and especially when they're more of the the like sports type like jujitsu or tie fighting or something and then when you have somebody that has what they call like a, a real world martial art there seems to be like a clashing of heads there like those those two groups just don't get along very well um no doubt and and i've done both uh and you've done both so i'd be interested to hear your opinion what do you think of um what do you think of his Jeet Kune Do system in general? Uh, I know there's there are a lot of fake Jeet Kune Doers out there, but um, you know I, I think Vunak's pretty legit. Um, I'd like to hear your opinion. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think in general with the martial arts, each of them have their applicable ability. Um, for instance, old school karate, it it had its. When are you going to do a jump flying sidekick? Not so much now, but if a guy's running at you on a horse and there's open field you're, and you don't have any weapons, you might run at the dude and jump up and kick him off his horse. Right. right? So <laughs> it, it, it was applicable for his time period. You see what I'm saying? So I think each one of and it's the same with any martial art. It's not that that wasn't effective. That was innovative and applicable for what it was used for. Um, and now I think that um, the, the root foundation, uh, these martial arts, I, I think through MMA and also in the SEAL teams, they were, and in the military, the special forces, they've been trying to create a hybrid of martial arts in general, what's the most effective. Um, and I think, uh, man, good, good jujitsu, good wrestling, good Muay Thai, um, boxing, and the Filipino martial arts, I think is, is really excellent. Um, the reason why is because... When it comes to having a blade or a, mach a machete, a sword, a stick, a rolled up newspaper, you don't have to switch systems mm -hmm. um, with that. And it's very practical and very effective. Um, so I think all of those as a conglomerate have their specific purpose. You can be a great Muay Thai guy if you hit the ground, you're a fish out of water. You can be a great jujitsu ju guy if you can't get them down, you're a fish out of water. 
And I say this all the time, if you do jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai and great wrestling and you are just the most lethal man on the planet in those and somebody pulls out a blade, you don't know true self-defense, man. You're, you're, you're a fish out of water. If he picks up a stick, you're a fish. And, and you know Bunak, man. Um, I saw you rolling those pots up and blowing Boo's mind. He's like, I'm not messing with that guy, you know. <laughs> but uh, he literally rolled up pots, man. He's a humble guy, but I watched him do it. Uh, so uh, Bunak says, you're, you're basically rolling the dice, you know. I love how he puts it. He says, uh, you know, um, you're like, I'm a boxer. So you take the dice and roll it, and you're like, boxing! And the guys that jiu-jitsu do, you're like, damn it, you know. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, maybe I didn't need that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's cool. You're like, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, you you roll a dice, you're like, dang, he's a Muay Thai guy. You're, you're rolling a dice. You can know any of those martial arts systems. I was literally just watching, uh, what's his name, the SEAL, uh, uh, Jocko. Yeah. And he said, what do you do for self-defense? He said, what is the, the main one you recommend for self-defense? And he was like, a firearm. Because right. people are on drugs, people are, and then you digress from there. If you look at any real wartime environment, you actually go from weaponry backwards to the empty hand. And I think that's legit, man. Um. If you want to do real self-defense, you need to include the stick and the blade and the firearm. So I don't think one system's better than the other. You can know Filipino martial arts. If that jiu-jitsu do gets you down on the ground, you're going to be in trouble. So you need a, a base of them all. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and and definitely definitely work backwards. I think that's one of the things a lot of martial arts. Uh, I won't say martial arts. I'll say self-defense places because they'll, you know, they'll want you to do jujitsu for self-defense, but. You know, if if you've been there for a week and you get mugged that week, <laughs> you don't know. I mean, you don't know enough to, you know, you barely know how to tie your belt. Um, yeah. But a, a firearm, not there's a lot, not a lot that goes into that, and obviously there's a lot of training. But a firearm is a very quickly learned uh, and, and effective means for protecting oneself much more quickly than learning a whole slew of techniques and and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, e- even a knife, uh, just carrying one, even if you're an if you're an untrained person with a knife, um, as long as it's accessible, I mean, you're still doing pretty well for yourself in most situations. Man, you, like um, you hear Bunak say it, man, talking about boom. It's true, man. You get somebody, a kid, you give them a marker, and then let them mark my shirt up, and then try to get them to not mark. Don't let them mark you up. You'll you'll have marker marks all over you. A, a blade is an equalizer, man. Um, even if you don't know what you're doing, pretty much. It, it is an equalizer. So size, uh, and, and that's authentic, man. If you and I have the same skill with your size and your strength and we're the same skill, size comes into factor. Strength comes into factor. And those blades and the firearm and the sticks, those are equalizers to size and strength. And you need to know those. And also numbers. You, you know what I mean? If you got three guys and you're doing jiu-jitsu, um, you're gonna get sucker kicked in the head, bro. You need <laughs> yeah. to be on your feet, and it would be best to have uh, knowledge of brick, blade, and that's what I like about the Filipino martial arts. You, you, you use what's available. You take what's available, man. It's not distinctive. It's not prejudiced to any one of those uh, weaponry systems or lack thereof. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, yeah, it's one of the things that kind of uh, intrigues me about. Jeet Kune Do is, is how you do everything at once. And you might go to uh, a Jeet Kune Do school or, or one of Unak's guys, and you kind of do a little bit of everything. They're even doing a lot of firearm stuff now. And um, oh, wow. you can you can learn all these things. And they might not be great at all of them, but they're good at some of them. And then if, if you want to get better at Jiu-Jitsu or you want to get better at Muay Thai, you can go spend some time and get better at that. You can go somewhere else and kind of – you know, like you, you went all over the place. You trained with all kinds of people. You can go find a Thai person or a jiu-jitsu person and, and increase that skill. But I think it's important to at least have a certain degree in all those other areas to be a, a complete martial artist. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I, I do want to mention one thing. You know, if you want to learn Thai, you can learn Thai. If you want to go, you, you can go find a Thai guy at jiu-jitsu, you can find a Brazilian guy. If you want to learn soul food, you can find a, a brother. <laughs> right. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. I had to throw that in there. No, but seriously, man, <laughs> that was random as hell. Uh, but anyway, in real life, bro. Um, no, agreed, man. I think so. In real warfare, bro. Uh, let's let's talk about the samurai, for instance. So the samurai, you had a sword, bro. 
if you got disarmed, you did jujitsu, which actually you would lead with a strike, then throw the dude down, and then maybe submit the guy and then pick up a sword, get back on your feet. You can't stay on the ground as dudes with swords trying to behead you, you know, off with his head, you know, for yeah. king and country or whatnot. So, um, the original jujitsu man included strikes, included throws, and included some ground moves. Then, as time went on, the evolution of the martial art, there became specialists in those areas, which became judo, which became jujitsu. But man, when you're when you're really talking about authentic self defense, now you're not going to be as great if you do all those things as the specialist. But if you're the specialist, you you can have a deficiency. And when it comes to self-defense, you may need to be well-rounded. You know what I'm saying? Um, you need to be reasonably prepared for anything because anything goes on the street. And that's the original martial art is anything goes. Right. And then it, it formed into these specialties, which we call sports, um, which which have nuances that, that are phenomenal. If you can learn those nuances, that's great. But for overall self-defense, man, you need to have a well-rounded base, um, it seems. Yeah. I think I think one of the things that turns people off from um, Jeet Kune Do and and maybe Vunak specifically is, um, you know, they see videos of him biting and poking eyes and kicking kicking people yeah. in the groin and stuff and yeah yeah and you get a lot of people to say that wouldn't work and this and that um, you know I, but a lot of those videos I, I personally believe are are kind of taken out of context when you see a two minute video of a guy biting someone there's there you don't get the full story there um you know yeah to, i've never heard vunak say you should just run across the street and jump on a guy and bite him. <laughs> 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 I mean, these are pretty specific scenarios where these take place and um uh, what, what are your thoughts on that i mean you, you've trained with him and and uh, you've probably been in some situations so what, what's your take on on cheating basically question i gotta lead off who's that 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 martial arts guy that does like the tiger kung fu who's that guy who makes spoofs on martial arts oh uh yeah i know who you're talking uh it's it's um <laughs> the ameridote guy the ameridote bro so <laughs> he, he has that one video you said he never paul never suggested to run across the, the street and do a groin kick you know what i mean and that guy he's like you read there's one and he goes you knock the guy down do you break his nose? Do you kick his arm? Do you kick his groin? Do you stomp his chest? Do you re-kick the groin? They're like, so the dude asks, he's like, what if the dude was just coming across the street to say hi? And he's like, you should have stayed across the street. <laughs> right. So yeah, Boo, Boo's not that dude. Like, re-stomp the groin. That's not what he's saying, dude. Uh, but I love the way that, that Boo does put it. He says, uh, so you got these guys that are MMA fighters, the most... The, the best well-rounded fighters on the planet. He doesn't say they're not. Um, and he's like, so what happens when John Jones accidentally flicks somebody in the eye? He's notorious for that. You got to stop the match. They stop the match, give the guy five minutes. What happens um, when he accidentally kicks the groin? They stop the match. Well, bro, so you have all this training. You're this Olympic-level wrestler. Somebody accidentally flicks your eye, and you're disabled. Um, I do think in real life, uh, there are people that are tough, mentally tough. Ron Jones, they'll, they'll they'll keep fighting, but he he makes a valid point there. Those great martial artists that train every day, all day, that are the best in the world, they get stopped by that. You, you got to give them a timeout, and that's not out there in the real world. I don't think it's the total solution, but I think it is a an effective um, attribute in leveling the playing field. How do you how do you train at actually Shaolin monks do train um, with the groin? I don't know if you've seen them. Tying like weights to their groin and walking around. <laughs> we might have to bring that up with Boo. Like, hey, those dudes can take a groin kick. But uh, yeah, the eyes and stuff like that, man. Uh, those are those are uh, inviting. Those those level the playing field if you don't have a blade or uh, or uh, or a stick or a gun. <laughs> how many uh, how many people do you think would uh, get would drop out of buds if they made you all you know drag the weights with your groin? <laughs> Man, um, I would tell you right now that I would uh, be doing soul food and not be a seal. It'd be a different. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not that tough, brother. All right. Yeah, there'd be like a there'd be like a, a 99% dropout. There'd be like a 1% success rate. Though, you know what I mean? 
Cool. Uh, so with, with, the cold, with the cold weather that you go through in the in the SEAL teams, man, I don't know if there'd be anything to attach it to. You know what I'm saying? The, Shrinkage. <laughs> 100% uh, failure rate. <laughs> exactly, right? Nobody has anything to work with out here. They're cold, bro. Hypothermia, man. Yeah. Uh, so, um, tell me, tell us a little bit about, um, so you, you have a school, uh, Dragonfly uh, Martial Arts and, and all that. Tell us a little bit about that and, and um, you know, what all you offer through your school and everything. Yeah, man, that's a great question. I'd love to tie it back in. I've kind of veered off. I'm getting passionate because, uh, I, and I, I just enjoy your company, man. But uh, we do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, we do Muay Thai, um, and we also do offer the, the Filipino martial arts for self-defense doing martial combat. Um, one thing that we offer that's major to tie back into your your root concept, get fit or die, uh, is get stronger dies not just fit yeah <laughs> um is we do kettlebell training we do strength and conditioning at the academy okay so we cool. do a lot of body weight exercises kettlebell exercises um those russians man those are some tough dudes and they knew what they were doing so you have your basic lifts the traditional lifts but the kettlebell is extremely functional and i see you do a lot of work with that i think that's mm -hmm. one of the most functional uh exercises and coming from a navy seal our training was meant to be functional because it has to be applied to the worst case scenario that you could face. And the kettlebells definitely meet that demand. So we incorporate that into our training with all the martial arts. Very cool. Um, and, and do you, um, you travel around and do some stuff as well, right? Yeah, no doubt for sure. Um, I travel and do, again, the, the root of what I'm doing is trying to, to, and, to inspire people to defy the odds it's never easy um lifting pulling a truck like you do is never easy you defy the odds and and to, to be elite and by be elite i mean become your best self so i travel and do elite achievement coaching um i inspire people and give them real world tools um being being a navy seal um which is actually an extension of just who i am i, I like to defy the odds and become my best I'm not just going to motivate you. That's not enough for me. I want to inspire you to get real results, which which I love. That's what you're about. Um, strength is a real result. It's an actionable, tangible result. Um, and I travel and do elite achievement coaching. Um, I also do tactical training and strategy and firearms training and also uh, travel around the world, obviously, as we discussed before, teaching martial combat and martial arts. <clears throat> Very cool. So with the, um, with the, uh, motivational, uh, speaking and, and coaching, um, you do seminars for that or is there a, is there a program that, that is continuing or how does that work? Yeah, typically people, uh, they have a need and they, they call me in, um, pretty much, uh, we cover anything, time management, team cohesion, whatever it is, man, um, pretty much we can cover. Uh, my main thing is, like I said, to find the odds, facing adversity, because motivation, I can motivate you. Yeah, let's go, let's go. And then when I leave and you run into real hardship, you know, right. when you plateau, when you're trying to get stronger, how do you keep going then? That's the question. Right. When you hit that low, the difference between somebody exceptional like you, man, you somehow mentally and physiologically kept going and surpassed your, your past limits. And you just keep doing that, man. And most people stop when they hit the plateau. So that's really the root of what I'm teaching. How can you face that adversity, defy it, and then go forward? So I do that for corporations. Um, we do work for Fortune 500 companies, uh, executive protection for Fortune 500 companies. Uh, I, we train SWAT teams. I, I've, I've talked to uh, Pan Am champions. My, my friend runs a school with Pan Am champions. I've talked to them before they went off to go compete. I, I spoke to a swim team that ended up winning nationals after they, they embodied and implored, uh, employed everything that we discussed in how to actually take those tools and and to be their best selves. And they, they did it and they won nationals that year. So talk to pharmaceutical companies anywhere, anytime, anyhow, if we can inspire you to become your best self, I'm there, brother, and that's why I'm here with you. Cool. That, that sounds great. I mean, um, one of the one of my favorite strength coaches is, is uh, Jim Windler, and uh, his okay. he says, um, 
you know, discipline over motivation. And, and I, that kind of sounds along the same lines, like motivation will fail you at some point. And, uh, yeah, and you have to have that something, uh, whether you call it discipline or, or inspiration or whatever it is, um, you know, to, to keep you, keep you going once motivation leaves you because motivation will fail you at some point. Yeah, literally, man. I, I talk about that when, when, when we do a lead achievement coaching, um, I literally was in the SEAL teams and was running in the sand and we were carrying this boat. And the, and that time there was a storm called El Nino, man. And it was a bad storm in San Diego. Yeah, you kind of remember the, the times and these waves were huge. So they had to build the berm up to keep it from flooding the area. And that berm was like 15 to 20 feet high. They just kept running us over the sand dunes. And then the instructors were throwing sand in the boat while we're running. And the boat's 200 pounds, you know. And we're, you're sprinting for a race, and we're running to Chow, which is a mile away. And I remember my brain and my body was just, I couldn't hold physically, physiologically, my grip was done, dude. You know what I mean? And my legs were on fire, and my brain was like, dude, uh, why the hell am I doing this? This is dumb as hell. This is the, <laughs> Why am I doing this? You know what I mean? And here's my thing, because the, the motivation was gone. It was gone, bro. And... In a, if you're a logical person, that is a great question. Well, here's what I have to say about that. Um, you have to have an answer for that why. That's what's beyond motivation. If you don't have an answer for that why, when you get to that point, that plateau, that hardship, that adversity, when you hit that and you don't have an answer for that why, you, you'll quit. Yeah. When you have a bigger why to the, to the, to the adversity that's in front of you, it will actually pull you to the, the adversity. And I literally was like, I'm done with this. I was mentally like, this is stupid. My body was done. I physically couldn't hold the boat. And I watched into like the third person. I was like, why are my feet still moving? I'm done. They just kept going. Because I had placed a bigger why within myself that, that said, we can't quit, brother. You're not going home without that. Even though that I cognitively, reasonably, it, was, it wasn't unreasonable to be done. Reasonably. When you're at the bottom, and here's a great story. I was doing a deadlift, and I was like, my buddy put on some more weight, and he was like, go up. And I went, Wah! and I hit a sticking point, bad. And, uh, dude, I was just stuck. It was moving real slowly, and, man, I was there forever, bro. And I ended up getting it to the top and locking it out, and I set it down, and he's like, dude, that's the makings of a, of a champion. That's what separates champs from people that are not. When you... When you get stuck at the bottom of a lift and you need a spot, you didn't stop driving, bro. You know what yeah. I mean? And most people, when they hit that sticking point and it's too, because the body tells you, do this too heavy, put it down. You know what I mean? And it's, you got to be like, you have to already see the success. You got to have a bigger why and drive through your, and that's an innate physiological response trying to protect you from tearing your muscles and injuring yourself. And you have to know beyond that within yourself. It's got to be subconscious. Your conscious mind is like, dude, the weight's too heavy. Reasonably, you're stuck. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. It's got to be something subconsciously that says, no, there's more in me. And there is. And uh, most often there is, man. And you can do it. You got to have a bigger why when you ask that question, when you're holding that heavy ass weight. <laughs> and then you go, why the hell am I lifting this? You got to have the answer for that why. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. And, uh, you know, most of my listeners of they they lift for fun or, or they compete or whatever. And, um, yeah. I figure a lot of them have been in that situation, you know, you're squatting or deadlifting or lifting a stone or whatever it is, or <clears throat> even pulling a truck. There's a point where it just sucks <laughs> and, and you got to decide, well, yeah, well, you know, throw the rope down and keep pulling. <laughs> I'm curious with you, uh, to, to, cause I'm, I'm over here running my mouth, man, but I know, I know people training with you ask why. All the different crazy lifts. I know they're like, why is he having me doing the logs and tires? And like, dude, I know they ask why. They have to ask why. All the time. <laughs> all <laughs> no the doubt. time, yeah. Yep, all the time. <laughs> now, a lot, of, a lot of people come for that specific reason. But, yeah, the, the average oh, person, cool. when, I get, when I get somebody that's um, – you know, whether it's fat loss or, you know, they just don't want to die of a heart attack or something. And, and that's what right. they come to me for. I still make them do that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's too good for you not to, you know what I mean? Um, 
especially like a, a, a log, you know, it looks crazy. It seems crazy, but, yeah. um, I find that, uh, like lifting a log from the ground to your chest is, is easier, um, like technique wise than, yeah. than doing like an Olympic clean. So for your average, yeah, yeah. for your average person, like they don't need to learn how to clean a barbell. Right. <laughs> you know, a, a log is, is easier. It's easier to learn. It's faster to learn. And, um, and it, it's more applicable to other things they would lift. Like a barbell yeah, is a barbell. Yeah. There's nothing like a barbell that you're going to run into in the real world. And, um, and I also think the, the neutral position hand positions of the log is much more shoulder friendly. So, yeah. uh, I think it's a better, uh, most of the time, a better press and a safer press for most people. But yeah, I mean, it looks you know, that's, to the outside, it looks crazy, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it, man, and, and it's funny because I've never correlated this till you brought it up. You're like lifting the log, lift. I'm like, damn, we did a lot of that in the SEAL team, lifting the damn log. I'm like, that was actually pretty brilliant, bro. But yeah, no doubt, I, I can definitely relate. We have that in common, lifting logs up, man. Um, and I remember, man, to, to brag on you, I don't know if your listeners know, so I got to brag about you for a second. You remember that time it was me, you, and uh, JR, and the dude drove his tractor into the pond, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, give me some chain, I'll pull it out. And I'm like, what the hell? And, I, you know, I knew you did some strongman stuff. I did not. Just totally amazing. And then we were doing a Muay Thai seminar, and, you know, you're, you're a real open-minded guy, and you're like, I can still do the splits. He dropped down and do the splits and tying all this back in, uh, you know, bragging about you being able to pull tractors out of ponds and pull semis, lift logs. You know, I see you take like the, the sledgehammer, touch it to your nose. Um, and I think what's great about what you do from a perspective of what, what I went through um, is you give people challenges that they, that, that are unusual that they haven't faced. So I think the, one of the greatest lessons that I see you do from a perspective of what I've been through is that life's going to always throw something at you that that is unusual at the worst possible moment. We call that Murphy's Law in the military. And what you're doing is is conditioning them to, to face Murphy's Law with courage. You're like, I'm not going to wait for something awkward to happen. I'm going to go out and take, take life by storm. And that's how you live, dude. And Viking, straight up Viking style. And it, it's really cool because... It's like, what is this awkward lift? It's like, because you, because you think it's impossible, that's why you should do it. Because right. that's life, man. Because life will hand you the impossible inevitably. So you might as well run at the damn thing like a Viking, man. And uh, <laughs> I really I really like what you do, man. And tying back into what you said, I remember you saying that, man. My splits, I, my splits are just as good as yours. And you drop down and did them. Um, tying in, people think, oh, the weights will make you stiff. But actually, when you do a good squat, you get full range of motion, man. You're doing good technique. You actually get an increased range of motion with explosiveness through explosiveness throughout the range of motion to complement um, uh, strength training in coordination with everything else you do. Yeah, I think that's um, <clears throat> that's a huge misconception. When I when I do uh, my seminars, I, I usually cover that that um, it's actually not moving is what makes you stiff and, and, and ruined your flexibility. It's sitting at a desk or, or driving all the time or what, that's what makes you stiff. Lifting weights done correct, done correctly. Um, usually only helps. I mean, in the very least you stay the same, but I think that most of the time it helps if you're doing it right for sure. Yeah. I got a vouch for this guy, man. His splits are awesome. So, and he's, and he's moving, pulling trucks and tractors out of ponds. So don't let these people fool you and tell you that weights will make you stiff. <laughs> I just got to get, get up to your speed. That'll be, if I can, if I can, uh, move as fast as you, I'll be good to go. <laughs> oh man, bro. I, this, this guy's amazing. Yeah. That's, uh, that's cause I'm like a buck 30, man. You know what I'm saying? I, so actually here's a funny story, uh, to, to relate to you, man. Uh, this guy said, man, well, you're not fit. You can't run seven miles, right? And there was this power lifter guy, and he says, uh, he goes, actually, you're not fit. You can't lift 700 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's kind of, to your point, there's different areas of fitness. You, oh, the yeah. runner, you can't say that the guy's not fit because he can't run. Are you fit? You can't move any weight. And, 
man, bro, that, that that's applicable to life, bro. You know? Yeah. I think, I think fit is in the middle, you know, you got to be able to do just like, just like Jeet Kune Do or, you know, fitness is kind of like that. You got to be able to do a little bit of everything and, and, and maybe specialize here and there. But, um, you know, I don't, I try not to sacrifice my, uh, my mobility or, or my, um, cardiovascular shape or anything like that just for the sake of lifting weights, you know, um, Maybe if I was getting paid a lot, I would. <laughs> I know, right? For sure, yeah. You know, but, but yeah, for and now. I think re- relating to you, like people are very curious now. When I was in, it was called. You, you didn't talk about the job of being a seal, but you can talk about it a little bit more now. Um, when you're doing that job, man, it's not just endurance. You are running around with logs for two and three hours. Everywhere you run, you're running around with that two hundred pound boat. Um, you, you got, you, you're doing pull-ups all the time. Now, when you do that, it's actually like a weighted pull-up because you may have your gear on and depending on who you are and what you're carrying, if you're the 60 gunner, man, each one of those pouches are seven pounds. So I was like the IT guy, I had the, the radio pack. I had all different kind of stuff. That's at least, at least 40 to 50 pounds. And I got to pull myself up by one arm to climb this ladder that only has room for one arm. So I had my body weight plus that on my back. So if you don't think strength training is relative and you, you want to do something extraordinary or even just, uh, man, to, to do, it, it is totally applicable to life, bending over, picking something up the proper way. And it's it's also uh, totally applicable to becoming your best, however mm-hmm. far you want to take it. Yeah. I'm going to have to get me one of those 200-pound boats. I want to lift that. <laughs> Yeah, you'd be running around by yourself with it. And I'm like, dude, quit showing off, man. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, hey, uh, it's been a pleasure having you. We're about out of time. Uh, I want to thank you uh, greatly for having you on. Um, love to have you back again. You got a ton of stories, so I'm sure you could, uh, you have a, a million more stories, I'm sure. Um, but if you want to get a hold, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? If they want to book, um, one of your elite achievement seminars or a martial arts thing, or, or what's the best way to get a hold of you? You can reach me at Kenny And then from there, you can go to any of the other avenues um, that you need to reach. Again, the, the root thing that we're doing is inspiring people to defy the odds and be elite, which means to become your best self. We're bringing elite within reach. And I have one last question. For you, my friend. All right. Is the secret to your strength in the strength of your beer game, man? Because your your beer game is strong as hell. So is that the secret to your strength, like Samson or something? What's up, bro? <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> so ah, uh, here we go. <laughs> um, so actually, my beard. Uh, I was pretty clean shaven for a really long time, and then I went to uh, I started growing a goatee out. And when I started college, I shaved it off. I had dreadlocks at the time too. And I cut all those. Yeah. For about five years, I had dreadlocks and, uh, I cut all that off. I shaved completely clean shave and went to college, started growing it out. And I wanted it to, um, represent the knowledge I was gaining. So I didn't cut it throughout, uh, college cause you know, it was representative of the knowledge I learned. And then uh, it was way, right. long, way longer then. So when I graduated, I started trimming it up or whatever. I keep it fairly long. Um, then a couple years ago, when I tore my bicep, um, that was the one and uh, only real serious injury I've had from Strongman. Um, the weekend before that competition was the shortest I'd ever cut my beard up to that point. <laughs> wow. So, so I cut wow. my beard almost all the way. I mean you know, super short and the very next weekend yeah. I tore my biceps. So there's your answer. <laughs> yes. So there, there is some strength to the beard think, game, man. I think, no doubt. Yeah. I think the beard, the beard holds the, uh, holds the power. <laughs> man, I was wondering why I was plateauing, dude, cause I shaved mine. So I'm going to have to like grow mine back out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you got to at least have, you know, two inches or so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, at least, and, and and that applies to more things than one, bro. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that goes that goes back to dragging the weights, right? <laughs> oh man! All right, well, uh, 
yeah, again, it's been a pleasure having you. I will definitely um, try to get you back on here, and uh, I'd love to see you come out to, to West Virginia for something at some point, so maybe we can get that going. And, Actually, man, that's really brilliant. I really would look forward to doing that. Like, no, not just talking, man. I'd, I'd like to do some of those unique lifts, man. Um, that seems really cool, and uh, you're you're a huge inspiration. I do check you out. I'm a big fan of yours, so I would love to do that, and uh, it was a great time on your show, bro. Cool. Thank, thanks a lot. Um, this has been John the Viking Mauser and Ken Bigby, Get Strong or Die.